All right, get well. We are in the fourth and final week of our series, Don't Waste Your Work. If you missed any of the three previous messages, you probably want to go to our website, getwellchurch.org, and find those and watch those and get caught up. Uh, but I, before we get started today, I want to point ahead to the next three weeks, something I'm very excited about, hope that you'll get excited about and that you'll bring somebody with you. For the next three weeks, we're going to do something completely different than we've been doing in August. We're going to be talking about uh, angels and demons and the role of the Holy Spirit as we engage in the spiritual world that is around us every moment. It is real. It is happening. It is active. And as followers of Jesus, as the church, we need to be aware of it. We need to be engaged. And here's the most important thing. Listen, I don't really care about what movies say about it. I don't care about what TV says about it. I don't care what the world says about it. I want to know what the Bible teaches us about the angelic realm, about demons, and about the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to dive in together over the next three weeks, taking a look at what does the Bible teach us about this world and how we need to be engaged in it. So I hope you get excited. I hope you'll come. I hope you'll bring somebody with you. But today we're in week four of our series, Don't Waste Your Work. And what I want us to see today is that work is a wonderful response to God. But here's the thing about work. As many of us, and this is so sneaky, none of us set out to do this. Uh, none of us do it on pur purpose, but work so quickly and easily gets elevated to a place where it really doesn't belong. When I think about whether you're in the corporate world or you work at home or you're in school and we're talking about classes and grades and tests and all those things, we can really quickly elevate work to a place that rather than being a blessing and a gift like we talked about in week one, it really becomes this burden and it becomes heavy and it becomes frustrating. Now we all experience this and, and matter of fact, I experienced this in a major way three years ago in the spring and the summer of 2023. As COVID of 2020, as COVID, you're doing the, some of you doing the math were like, how did that up? Three years ago in 2020, that summer and that spring as COVID was spreading all over the world and we were shutting things down, all of a sudden, like all of you, I'm trying to figure out uh, not only how to do third grade math according to Common Core, but how to do work on the other side of a computer screen from my kitchen table. And I just, you know, so frustrated. I'm thinking, how am I supposed to minister to people that I can't see? Like, how do I lead a team of people that I cannot engage with? And guys, I got so frustrated. And to be honest with you, I went to a dark place. And I'm not just talking about the grief that all of us went through as we were isolated and fearful and all those kind of things. But I realized some, a truth that God finally revealed to me later on in that year that I had elevated my work to a place that it didn't belong. And when the normalcy and the things that I had begun to find worth and value and validation and pleasure from in my work, when those things were stripped away, I had no foundation to build on. And I don't want that for us. I don't want us to make work into something that it's not supposed to be. I want it to be a gift. I want it to be a platform. I want it to refine us and shape us. But here's what I don't want. I don't want work to become a God. 
And this happens so easily, so quickly, it's a slippery slope because here's the thing. When we do work God's way, and many of us, we're trying to do work God's way, and, and we're trying to let it be a blessing to others, and we're trying to let it be a platform. And when we do that, we're going to experience some meaning and some satisfaction and purpose in that. We're going to see the blessing in it, and good things are going to flow from our work. But this might be the most dangerous position we find ourselves in. Satan loves to take the good things of God and twist it to harm us. And when we see the good things of our work coming out of our lives because we're doing it God's way, this is the moment where we can so easily twist things into a position that it's not supposed to be. Here's the first truth for us as we talk about this, is that work is a great tool, but a terrible God. But here's what I know about us, that what we are tempted to do is we are so tempted to take that and flip it around. And when we make work a God and we make God a tool. We look at God and we say, God, I, I know you have power and ability and rather than worshiping you and serving you and submitting to what you want, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray to you, but you better do what I want you to do. God, I'm going to worship you, but you better give me what I'm asking for. God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to give to you, but you better do your end of the bargain and follow through on what I want. See what we're doing? We're turning God into a tool to use in our hands. And so we get frustrated with God when we don't get the promotion, when we don't get the raise, when work is frustrating or we're left feeling empty or things don't go our way. Why? Because we're not worshiping God. We've turned him into a tool and we've made work an idol in our lives. Now, don't feel bad. Don't beat yourself up. We all struggle with this. In fact, the wisest man to ever walk planet Earth struggled with this. If you read through the Bible, we encounter uh, the, the third king of Israel, a guy named Solomon, the son of David. And he's thrust into this position to be king of Israel. At that time, one of the, the, perhaps the greatest nation that was on earth. And he looks at God and he's like, God, I have no clue what I'm doing. I cannot do this. I need you to step in and enable me to lead your people. And God pleased with the cry of Solomon's heart. He says, okay, because you haven't asked for riches or power or fame, what I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you all those things, but I'm also going to give you the wisdom that you're asking for. And so Solomon is widely known as the wisest man to ever walk planet earth. And he wrote a couple of books of the Bible, one of them called Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes, we discover that even Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, even twisted this around, he made work a God and he made God a tool. And we find it in Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse four. This is what he said. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And all this 
my wisdom stayed with me. So he's still wise. He hasn't compromised that. He said, I denied myself nothing. My eyes desired. I refused my heart, no pleasure. And I want us to focus in on these last few verses. He said, my heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for my toil. In other words, he's finding his purpose, his meaning, his pleasure, his delight in his work. Not as a tool to get to the source of these good things, but it became the source. And what was the result of that? He said, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, the, the literal word here said it's a vapor. It was like pfft, just gone right through his fingers. And nothing was gained under the sun. He had done it all. Accomplishment, power, reputation, wealth, validation, all that work could give him, he had it. And he had emptiness. Right through his fingers. It, it was not fulfilling. It was not satisfying. It could not give him the thing that he was looking for. And it was gone in an instant. See, here's the thing about work. Is that when work becomes the main thing, and God knows when it becomes the only thing in our life that we are pursuing, work becomes a disappointing thing. I mean, just think about it logically. On the one hand, for starters, is that work is neither constant nor is it consistent. We have all experienced this. Work changes. Work is uncertain. It can move us this way or that. We make plans and our work will change it. Our bosses, our companies will change the, the goals or the, the measuring stick. It is consistently just riding this roller coaster. That's why when we're looking for ultimate meaning and purpose in our work, we'll experience things like bitterness when our expectations aren't met. Or we'll experience fear when God might call us to step out in faith to do something new or, or to take a risk. Or we experience grief when the things that we put all of our hope in don't come to be. I mean, it's all over the map. And not only is it not certain, it's not consistent, but work is limited. I mean, all the pleasures that we get from work, from a paycheck to power, reputation, uh, makes me feel good, makes me feel like I did something, uh, whatever you want to fill in the blank with, one day, some way, somehow, there's going to come an end to that. Right, whether you're laid off or you get demoted or uh, you retire or you just even lose your passion for it. Or just let's just say this one day, unless Jesus comes back again, every single one of us are going to be headed to the ground. And you know what's not going with us? Our work and all the things we pile up from it. It's going to come to an end. And so all the things that we might be looking for, if we make work the main thing or the only thing, it's like a vapor. It's going to go through our fingers just like that. But there is an answer. We don't have to just walk away from work. Remember, work is a gift. Work is a platform. God uses work to refine us. It's not something we want to throw in the trash. There's value to it when we put it in the proper perspective. It's not God, but it's a tool. So how do I come to it? Well, 
Solomon talks about this in the final chapter of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 13. He says, now all has been heard, and here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Basically two things Solomon says. Number one, he says, fear God. It doesn't mean to like cower and like I'm terrified of him. It means realize who God really is, be in all of him, be reverent of him, put him at the place of where he is elevated, where he is in control. Why? He's gonna judge everything. Life comes from him, it goes to him, it'll be judged by him. And so be in awe of God. Don't take him lightly. Don't be flippant about it. Don't try to shape him into something you can use for your own gain. He's God and you're not. The second thing that he says is everything in life has to be centered on him. Everything in life is going to come back to him. Everything's going to be brought out into light. Every hidden thing is going to be exposed before him for good and evil. And everything's going to come before him for judgment. Everything, whether we like it or not, is centered on God. And here's what that means. If God is in the center place, if he is the foundation, if he is on the throne, that means nothing else can be. He doesn't compete with other things in our life. He is God and him alone. And so when we take things like work or accomplishment or what we think we can do in this world and we make it a central place of our life, you know what we're gonna experience every single time is disappointment. It cannot hold up to the weight of being God. And so ultimately we have a decision to make. It's one decision, it's the decision that we make in life, am I gonna live for my kingdom or am I gonna live for God's kingdom? Am I gonna live for what I want or what God wants? Am I gonna live for my advancement or God's advancement? Am I gonna live for what I think or what God thinks? And here's what I know about us, is that we are really good at fooling ourselves. And we would all say like, I'm living for God, I'm living for his kingdom, are we really? In every area of life, are you really? Are you really putting him first? Or are you putting yourself first? Are you really living for God's kingdom? Or are you living for your own kingdom and what we want? And it's a critical choice that we make. In fact, Jesus talks about this choice in a parable that he teaches in the Gospel of Luke. And I want us to take a look at that. In Luke chapter 12, he's engaging with a, a crowd of people. He's been teaching and someone comes up to him and they have something he wanted him to do in verse 13. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? So this guy's like, hey, this, my brother's not doing what I want. Can you fix him, please? Like, like a lot of us would do. And Jesus is like, that's not why I'm here. And then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Just pause there for a second. 
If the ground of someone yielded an abundant harvest, who allowed that harvest? God, right? And apparently this guy had forgotten all about that. So he yields this great harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Let's take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. And we jump ahead a few verses to 31. And this is the key. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. So here's this guy. He is killing it at work. Right? Like he is just, he's the man. Like he is, he's thriving. Like his 401k is through the roof. He's got the corner office with a nice view. Everybody respects this guy. He's got a great reputation and he is building it. The problem is, I said, he's looking to all these things as the main thing. And he's using all of these things, not for God's kingdom, but for his own kingdom. He's like, my, my grain, my harvest, my, 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 like all these things for me. And he builds these barns. And, and God's like, dude, do you not realize when you leave, you don't take this with you. And where's it going to go? So he's building his life on things that he thought would last, but could not last. And you and I are tempted to do the same thing. Listen, we can point fingers at this guy, but the reality is, is that we're building bigger barns too. We're all guilty of it. I mean, think about what are some of the things that we're building? Well, some of us are focused on building wealth. And that's the focus of our job is just gonna make as much money as possible. And we just drive ourselves and drive ourselves and drive ourselves for decades so that we can live comfortably for one or two decades. And we just build it and we build it and we build it. Some of us, it's not that, but it's power. And maybe we're not raising our hands and be like, I wanna have power over everybody. But how many of us would love to have control? Right, don't tell me what to do. Don't control my life. It's my decision. You know, you don't tell me where to go or what to do. Or maybe it's reputation. I want people to think good of me. I want to have a good name. I want people to, you know, when they see me, want to come over and talk to me. Or maybe it's validation. I want to feel good. I want to feel like I matter. I want to feel like I have meaning. I want to feel like I'm doing something with my life. But guys, these are temporary pleasures that have a temporary time limit. It's temporary rewards. They don't last. I mean, think about it. Wealth, it's only as good to you until you start to enjoy it. And then when you start to enjoy it, what does it do? It starts to fade. It goes away. The more you spend it, the less you have. 
And what about power? You know how you have power? It's because people allow you to have power. And you only get to keep power as long as people continue to give it to you. And, and life changes in an instant. Circumstances change like that. Relationships change in a moment. And all the power and all the control, you could get sick. There could be a tragedy. There could be a layoff. And all that, thing, that stuff that you thought you were controlling is gone. What about reputation? Right? Reputation is only as good as long as people will continue to see you that way. And all it takes, you don't even have to do anything. It could just be a total lie, total gossip, a total rumor, and your reputation is gone. You have zero control over it. Or what about validation? Validation, it is only as good to us as long as we're pleasing the people around us. You know what I call that? I call that slavery. We enslave ourselves to other people and other things and circumstances to build our kingdom, thinking that we have freedom and we have no freedom at all. And what God is calling us to is true freedom. And the only way that we can experience true freedom is to take all the things that we're holding so tightly to and to loosen our grip and say, God, I'm just gonna serve you in this work that you've given me, remember from week one, God gives us a work designed for us, but it's connected to the work that only he can do. I'm going to take this work you've given, designed for me, and I'm going to open my hands. I'm going to offer it to you. I'm going to serve you as a response to what you've already done and are doing and will do in my life. And I'll worship you in it. I don't want to be a slave to people or places or things. And so I've got to be willing to say, Lord, I give up control. I give it up. I don't want anything to take your place in my life. And, and I want to give you a word of warning. And I do this with a lot of love and compassion and a sober mind. And we need to take this seriously. We have an incredibly loving, just a, I don't want you to miss that, a loving God. He is not trying to harm you. He is not trying to mess your, with your life. He is a loving God. And, and still, if you allow work, or for that matter, any other thing in your life to take the place of God, I have seen it and experienced it. He will take that away. Many of us are struggling with our work life. Maybe you've been laid off or fired or things are not going as you want them to go. You're experiencing all kinds of bitterness and frustration. Listen, sometimes life just happens. We live in a broken world and life happens. But sometimes it is God interfering in our life because he loves you. And he wants to draw you back to him because you've elevated that work to a place that it doesn't belong and he doesn't want you to get to the end of your life and experience the ultimate disappointment that you spent your whole life and you missed it. And so he will allow pain to happen to draw you back onto the right path, back into fellowship with him. And you might be walking through that right now because he wants something better. And, and our, our thinking about it, our our approach to it, our perspective really matters as we come into this because work is always going to be limited for you. 
if your perspective of work is that it is the source of good things for you and me. It always coming into that. If it's the source of everything good that I want in life, that's gonna come to an end. However, work will be incredibly joyful if it becomes a response to the good from God. You see how the shift happens there? And I can come to it with a freedom that God wants. So how do I do that? How do I worship him in my work? Now, Paul talks about this in Colossians chapter three, verse 17. He says, and whatever you do, so that, what that means there is whatever you do, right? Everything, you're a stay-at-home mom and what you do at home, do it this way. If you're in the corporate world, whatever you do in the, in the office, do it this way. If you're a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, do it this way. Everything we do as you work in the church, as you work in the community, everything we do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Tony Evans teaching on this passage said that we do everything with Jesus' reputation in mind. Everything we do, we're doing it directed toward God, directed toward Jesus as a response to him. Saying, God, how do I do this in a way that honors you? How do I do this in a way that joins with you? And so as we think about this and as we wrestle with it, God, I want to do this for you, not for me. I want to do it from your good, not to get good. Lord, I want to live my life as a response to you. How do we do that? I want to offer up you to you four questions we can ask ourselves. As you go to work tomorrow, whether that's at home or somewhere else, you get paid to do it or not, as we go about our work, four questions we can ask ourselves to position us to be in the right mindset, okay? Here's the first one. As we worship God and work, what does God want? What is God after? What does he want to see happen? See, for us to have this question, if we're really going to mean it, means, Lord, you're going to have to deal with my selfishness. You're going to have to deal with my pride and unroot it and give me an absolute faith in you. To know whatever God wants is the absolute best. The second question, what is God doing? How many of us in our work would love to have some more peace? To love to be a little more relaxed, to be less stressed. Is it, show of hands, anybody stressed in your work? Is it just me? Like, maybe it's just me. If we'd like to have more freedom and peace and less stress, here, here's a little simple hack for your work life. Understand that God is not waiting on you to figure out the world's problems. He is not waiting on you to figure out the the struggles of your company. He's not waiting on you to have all the answers in your home or in your community or in your church. He, he is not putting all his eggs in that basket. I promise you, he has got it figured out. He's only asking one thing of you, to open your eyes and open your ears to see and to hear him and whatever you see him doing, just join with him. It's kind of like a foolproof plan for the ultimate bandwagon, right? Like you're just going to join your wagon. You're going to join your efforts to the one who's winning. Because guess what? God is always winning. He's never losing. And so just watch what he's doing and then join with him. It's going to work out for your good. 
there's going to be some blessing in it. There's going to be an awesome result in it because whatever God puts his hand to, it works out for good and for his glory. So just pay attention. What's God doing? And join in. Here's the third question. Who does God love? It's kind of a trick question because God loves everybody. And so love everybody, right? That, That difficult client, that demanding boss, that frustrating coworker, love them. Ask yourself, what can I do today to be a blessing to this person? They don't deserve it, but I wanna do it. Jesus said it this way, would you pray for your enemies? How would that transform our work life if even those people who were out to get us were praying for their good, working for their good, to be a blessing to them because why? God loves them. And then number four, how does God act? Basically you're asking, what is God's character? Who is God? If if God were doing my job, if Jesus showed up, if he's the perfect reflection of God and he showed up and he did my job, how would he do it? Here's some things I know about God. God is truth. He does not lie. He does not steal. He has perfect integrity. So we do our jobs with integrity. That means we don't steal time. We don't slack off. We don't do it lazily or without passion or purpose. God is purposeful. That means that we know the mission of what we do and why it matters. God is loving and compassionate. It means we treat people selflessly and we put them first and we lift them up. And you can just keep going down this path. How would God handle this situation? Because it ties in directly to how God wants me to handle this situation. God, I wanna do all these things, not to get something from you, not to to use you as a tool to get what I want, but Lord, I wanna reflect you, your reputation, your heart, your truth, your love. I want it to shine through me in this platform that you've given me. And I know God that this is never, ever, ever gonna be the main thing. It can't be. Just logically, it can't be, but it can be a response to you as I worship you, whatever your work may be, at school, and you're teaching or, or you're leading your team or you're offering a service. Do you really think about it as an act of worship? That we do it the best we can because God's working. We do it with joy because God has good things for me. Or do we just see it, man, this is just something I gotta get through or I'm building my kingdom. Perspective matters. So I wanna offer up a simple prayer for us. If you'll stand, I'm gonna pray over us. And it really just boils down to this. Lord, help me to see my work as a gift, a gift from you. But Lord, don't ever let me make my work a God. It doesn't belong there. Let me pull it and pour it and push it and lead it, direct it all to you. All for your glory. And that'll change everything. Maybe you're struggling right now. God has a plan and a purpose. He's working. Maybe you're killing it at work. You're making the grades, you're making the money or you got the promotion or people are looking at you. Do not elevate it to a place where it doesn't belong. 
let it be where it needs to be as a response to him. So let's pray. Lord, thank you first for Jesus that he came and he lived and he died and he rose again to deal with our sin. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that gives us wisdom and direction and power to follow after you. Thank you for the church that we do life together. And thank you, God, for work. Whether we're a student, a stay-at-home mom, a professional, uh, a servant leader in the community, whatever our work may be, God, we thank you. It is a wonderful gift. But God, we have to also repent of the ways that we flipped it upside down to make it something it's not supposed to be. God, draw us back to you to make you the, the only thing, the center place of our lives, the source of all good things. And Father, whatever circumstance we might be in right now, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Reveal to us, encourage us or challenge us, whatever it is you know that we need. Lord, and as we sing and these prayer rails are open, and you need to, to encourage or challenge somebody, draw them down here to kneel before you and meet with you, Lord, to continue this conversation. And God, we pray this in Jesus' name and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.